mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Sign. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 54 through 56. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. God is good. Stand with me if you have your Bibles this morning. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go today. I woke up this morning with a word in my spirit. And it wasn't what I was planning for today, but I, just, I woke up real early, probably 6 o'clock this morning. God was just touching my heart with a word, and I'm, I'm going to try to preach it today. And uh, that uh, last song Nick sung just uh, confirmed it for me, and I appreciate that. And let's look at Luke chapter 12, and I want to go to verse number 54. Luke chapter 12, verse number 54. Amen. And, uh, of course, these are the words of Jesus. And uh, in Luke chapter 12, he really talks about how to live for God. And I think it's a, it's a great, great chapter. In verse number 54, Jesus <clears throat> said to the people, everybody around, when you see a cloud rise out of the west straightway, you say, there comes a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be heat, and it comes to pass. And then he says, you hypocrites. Wow. I mean, those Jesus never was very much on being politically correct. He just said what he thought. But when you're God, you can do that. Amen? When you're God, when you're God in the flesh, you can say whatever you want to say. He said, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. In other words, you can see the elements and, and know what the weather is going to be. But how is it that you cannot discern? Notice what he says. This time. This time. I think that it's important. There was a group of men in the Old Testament. The Bible said that they understood the times. And so many today are troubled about the times that we're living in. The things that are going on that I think that are prophetic. That are an indication that we're near the end. That the Lord is coming probably every week now. At least once, sometimes more. I'll get a phone call. What do you think is going on? Somebody posted on Facebook the other day and said, hey, what chapter of Revelation are we in now? People's hearts are stirred about the time. But Jesus spoke to them and said, you can see the signs of weather and everything around you. And he did not say here that you cannot discern the times. He said, you cannot discern this time. What's important right now. You know what he was talking about? The fact that standing before them was the fulfillment of prophecy in the Messiah. Standing before them was, was the God-man, was the Savior. Standing before them was the healer. Standing before them was the deliverer. Come on, somebody help me preach. Standing before them was everything that the world should ever have looked for. Jesus standing there. I want to preach this morning simply on the thought of the sign. 
the sign. Father, we love you. Thank you for the grace of God, for the goodness of God. I ask that you just to let your anointing just cover us today. Let your anointing cover all of us. Let it empower me to speak the word and give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say at this time. Let your will be done, and God will give you praise. And everybody said, amen, amen, praise the Lord. Let me say again, it's good to see everybody here. I see visitors here this morning. I see uh, some folks that, have, have, that are returning after this thing we've been through, amen. And uh, somebody said to me the other day, I was talking with a person, they said, I am wore out with the COVID, and they hadn't even had it. I said, what are you talking about, wore out with it? You have any? I said, well, I hope you don't get it, but if you do, you'll really be wore out with it. Amen. But we're glad everybody's back in the house of God today. As I said this morning, I felt like the Lord spoke to me early, began to deal with me about where we are and what's going on. And yes, we are living in the end times. I have been preaching for 40 plus years that Jesus could come today. And I believe that. He said in the last day there would arise, Paul said, there would arise scoffers saying, where is the sign of his coming? All things continue as they did since the fathers fell asleep, since the writers wrote and died. Anything, there's not anything that's changed. But the reality is that much has changed. If you were to bring back my grandfather, and many of you, your grandfathers, or even your dads, and stand them up in the world that we live in today, they would not recognize where we are. If you think about it, my grandfather came from a time of no electricity. He came from a horse and buggy day. Uh, he was, in his younger days, used to haul one of the old doctors. I, when I watch Gunsmoke and I see Doc Adams riding out, going to all those different homes, my grandfather used to take an old doctor and drive him in a, in a horse and buggy to visit people. And then finally, breakthrough happened, and he got a Model A, and he would drive that old doctor just to, to and sit up all night with people. Different time now, can you say amen? Uh, how many's ever had a doctor come to your house? Unless it was a, uh, somebody you knew, amen. And, uh, but we're living in a different time. We're, we're living in a time of the increase of knowledge. The Bible said in the last days, knowledge would increase. How many can understand that medical knowledge, scientific knowledge, communication knowledge, everything that we can imagine? I came from the, the day, you've heard me say this before, of a party line phone and a black and white TV with a round screen and one channel. That's what we had when I was a kid. And my grandfather at dark hollering, turn that thing off and go to bed. And uh, yet now we're living in a time when you've probably got 300 TV stations. I don't know how many they've got. Probably more than that. And we've got an internet, the information highway, as we've known it was introduced to us. And uh, I remember when it, when it first started happening and I was trying to keep up and I didn't know, understand anything about it. So I went to Eastern and enrolled in a class. Y'all may not know that. And uh, took a class on computers just to learn how to turn it on and what to do with it after I got into it. And it, was, it helped me. Amen. It helped me a lot. But now things have changed. I, I carry a phone around that has, that has more memory and more power and more abilities than the greatest computers in the beginning that, that, they, that they made. It's, are you with me today? Things are changing. Not only that, but governments have changed. Can I tell you, in my day, we we've saw the fall of the Soviet Union. The Cold War ended, and we were victorious when Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Hallelujah. And uh, we've seen changes like we've never seen before. We've, we're in the middle of a pandemic now. 
We've been in a year where the West Coast has been burning up with wildfires. We've been in a year where the East Coast and the Eastern United States has been almost decimated by floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and and, uh, all the wars and rumors of wars that are going on, the social unrest, the the racial division that's going on again in our country. I lived through the 60s and I thought that was over. I remember when they shot Dr. King. Uh, it, It brought sadness to my heart back in the time when we were still racially divided like you couldn't imagine. And now we're seeing that rise up again. And I'm, and I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just telling you that it's happening. Can you say amen? And uh, so many times people will, you know, I've said this for weeks, instead of turning to God, we're turning against each other. And they're trying to blame this one and blame that one. But can I tell you, Jesus said it would be that way in the last days. He said there'd be wars and rumors of wars nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Literally in the Greek it said ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. And we're seeing that not just in America but around the world, in the Muslim world. It's the Sunnis and the Shiites that are doing more death and destruction to each other than what they call the great Satan, America, or anybody else. Are you with me? Every nation is in an upheaval. Communities are in an upheaval. Political we're more divided than we've ever been and and yet people are asking what are these signs pointing to but I want to tell you Jesus said there's one sign that you need to know for certain and that's the fact that one day they nailed him to a cross he was buried and three days later he walked out of a grave and he's still alive today can I tell you the resurrection power of Jesus name thank God is still saving souls and still delivering people from horrible bondage. I've come to tell somebody the world may be falling apart, but we have a truth that we stand on. He's alive, hallelujah, and things are okay in the kingdom. Give him praise if you would, hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 12 and verse number one, it said, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And uh, if you go back and study this, some of the commentaries say that Moses had taken a second wife at this time. And she was a woman of dark skin from Ethiopia. Uh, If you really trace it down in the root words of the language, it's possible that it was speaking about uh, the Cushites or a woman of Median. And as we know, of course, that that Moses' wife, uh, Zipporah was a woman of Medea. She, her, her father was a priest of that. And uh, so there was, there was question about why this dissension rose. My whole point is there was dissension. Here's the man of God that God has called to be the leader. And here's his sister and his brother. She is a prophetess. Now don't you miss that. She has a word of God that comes out of her mouth. Aaron has been chosen to be the, chosen to be the priestly leader. And so the scripture said that uh, they spoke against Moses because of this. But then they went farther and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken? 
spoken by us. And the Lord heard it. How many has ever heard anything like that in the church? Uh, have you ever heard a time when people begin to question leadership? Woo, don't shout me down. They begin to question authority. Uh, I had a friend one time. Well, matter of fact, it was a family member in their church, and they changed pastors about every year. And uh, they'd, they'd get rid of them and get another one, and this person was partially responsible for that. It was a family member. And they, they, they took it upon themselves one time to talk to me about it. And uh, they were saying, we just, this pastor, we didn't like this, and this pastor, we didn't like that, and we didn't like this one. And I said, so they said, we got a committee together, and we got another one, said we felt like that's the one we were supposed to get, and we brought them in. And after a while, we didn't like that, and they were just going over that. And I said, hold it. I said, who gave you the authority to challenge a man of God? I said, if God told you to get them, hello, and they were speaking the word of the Lord. What does it matter whether or not they wore a necktie? Somebody help me right here. I mean, people fall out with preachers over foolishness. But in this case, let's go on. It was a spiritual matter. And so Aaron and uh, Miriam, they begin to speak against Moses. And, and the Bible said, the Lord heard it. Has, has the Lord just spoke to him only? Now Moses, the, very, the man of God, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Let me translate that. Moses wasn't a guy to argue with him. If you remember when God called Moses to go speak to Pharaoh, he said, wait a minute, God, I stutter. I, I can't talk to that guy. You understand, people have, have took that and misinterpreted. What Moses was really saying to God was, and what God was really saying about Moses wasn't an in-your-face kind of guy. He was very mean. I mean, when we think about Moses, we think about Charles Heston. or What, what was his name? Char Charlton Heston or whatever it was. Standing up on the, in the Ten Commandments on the rock with that big rod in his hand and that wavy hair looking like, who, who wants to mess with me? That's not the real Moses. The real Moses was this intimidated fellow. Very meek. Am I, am I blowing your image of Moses? I'm sorry. But... He was the meekest man that was upon the earth. And, and the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and to, to Miriam. I love the way God does it. He gets the three that's involved. He don't put it on Facebook and let everybody in the world talk about it. Hello. <laughs> well, they didn't have Facebook back then. Trust me, they had something. People are people, amen. And so he calls the three of them together. And he says, uh, go out to the tabernacle of the congregation. The three came out. The Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door. No mistake who was there. Can you say amen? It's God. In the door of the tabernacle, and he calls Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth, and, and he said, Now hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I will speak unto him in a dream. Watch this. My servant Moses is not so. He's faithful in all my house. I speak to him mouth to mouth, and in other words, face to face, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Let me, let me translate this. I, I called Moses. I put my anointing upon him. I put miracles in his hand. Have you forgotten he parted the Red Sea? Have you forgotten with the signs he destroyed the greatest nation on the face of the earth? Have you forgotten he can prophesy? aside to a rock and cause a river to come out. Woo, come on somebody. Have you forgotten he can speak a word and manna falls from heaven and quails come in waist deep. God was saying to them I put this man in authority. Now watch this. Also I gave him my law and, and listen when I talk through prophets and, and I talk through dreams and it's not any different today. Those things sometimes are, are dark sayings. They're veiled. They, they, I, I don't I 
I can't tell you how many phone calls I get. Pastor, I've had a dream. Can you interpret it? And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Dreams sometimes need interpreting. How many's ever heard a prophetic word and when it got done, other people were shouting and you were sitting there saying, huh? I don't get it. it maybe it didn't speak to you. But when I talk to Moses, it's not like that. When I gave him the law, when I put him in authority, he said, I want you to know that the law takes preeminence over prophecy. The law takes preeminence over dreams. Can I tell you today, we're still in that place, the word of God, the new covenant, the new testament, the things Jesus said, they take preeminence over prophecy. They take preeminence over dreams. I want to tell you, we still have one sign that will never change. He walked out of the grave. He is alive. He is the Savior. Can you say amen? Give him praise if you would. Let me go on. I want to tell you there was a time in my life when the resurrection, a living Jesus, was what I needed to see. When I was a sinner, I didn't need to see some of the things that go on in church because I wouldn't have understood them. Amen. Sister Sheila, I wouldn't have understood prophecy when I was a sinner. I wouldn't have understood a message in tongues and an interpretation when I was a sinner. Anybody else with me today? I mean, we, we become so churched. <laughs> Is that a good phrase? We become so familiar with the things of God. Brother Nick, sometimes we start talking to the world like they know what we know. They're looking at you like, what you talking about? But there's one thing I needed to see. I needed to see a Jesus. Sinless, Hallelujah. I needed to see a Jesus, virgin born, hallelujah. I understood the manger scene I'd seen on all those Christmas cards. Somebody help me right here. There's some things that are real. I understood who he was and the fact that he, that he walked on water, the fact that he healed the sick, the fact, are you with me, that he raised the dead. When they preached about him casting out devils, I knew he did it. Hallelujah. Amen. And when they preached him on a cross and I saw him die in my place, that's what convicted me and caused me to understand I was guilty. But when I saw him, amen, walk out of that empty tomb and I saw him, amen, meet Mary that day and I heard her say, Rabboni. And when he said, go tell my disciples I'm alive. And when the angel spoke to him and said he's not here he's risen hallelujah I want to tell you it gave me hope that if he could walk out of a grave I could walk out of sin and brother Nick sings that song I ran out of that grave hallelujah because that was exactly what I needed to see I'll give him praise would you hallelujah the Bible said in Matthew 16 1 the Pharisees also, the Sadducees came and tempted him. Now, not only did Jesus say this to the, you know, to the, uh, to, to, to the, to the people in, at, at large, but here it says he said it to religious leaders. 
And they wanted a sign from heaven. Verse 2, he answered and said, the same thing when you, it's evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red when it's morning. It'll be fair weather for the sky is red and lowering or threatening is what that word means. And he called them hypocrites and said, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And, and, and then he said, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign and there shall be no sign given to it except for the sign of of Jonah and he left them and departed. You know what that means? All of that means that bunch wanted to hear some prophetic thing. They wanted to see some great vision. He said all you need to know is that Jonah was in the whale's belly three days and God delivered him and I'm going to show you the same thing again. And when Jonah went into Nineveh amen with, with seaweeds wrapped around his head and smelling like fish vomit. Can somebody shout amen on that? It wasn't you know some pretty perfumed and, and puffed and powdered up preacher. It was a nasty looking man of God but he walked out of death right into the middle of a city and when he did the Bible said the whole city repented. Hallelujah because of resurrection. Oh. Hallelujah. Y'all with me today? Y'all touch somebody and say thank God he is alive. Jesus is alive. No matter what your problem is my answer is Jesus is alive. No matter what you're going through in your family, Jesus is alive. I want to tell, amen, the presidents at Walter Reed Hospital right now battling the coronavirus. And, and I said, dear God, if the president and first lady, can, can I just digress a moment and say this? They probably live in the most protected environment in the world. And if they can get the COVID virus, anybody else can. And, uh, and we, we're trying to do everything we can to be safe. But I want to tell the world the answer to this problem and the answer to the racial dissent and stress that's going, strife that's in our nation, the answer to the hate, to the bitterness, to the murder, to that mess up there in Washington, D.C. They need to one day just pick up the Bible and read that he's alive. Hallelujah. And woo, And one day we're all going to stand before him. And that same Jesus that rose from the dead is coming back after a church. Are y'all happy about that? That same Jesus is coming back. Thank God, victorious over death. Hell in the grave, the trumpet's going to sound. And he's going to take us out of here. And that's all true because he's alive. He's alive. Amen. So I needed to see that. The resurrection. I know it's not Easter, but we missed Easter. <laughs> Hello. Y'all missed that. Let me go on. Uh, the resurrection was the answer to my crisis of life. Amen. Think about those, those disciples. Think about Mary. Think about those women that went to the tomb early that morning. Their, their lives were crushed. Their hearts were broken. Their hopes, their dreams were dashed. And the scripture said in Matthew 28, and the account of it in verse 5 said, The angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, for I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. I know you saw him killed. Let that soak in a minute. The crucifixion was the most brutal picture of ugliness that men could possibly inflict upon an innocent person. An innocent person. I mean, abortion is horrible. Murdering a baby in the womb, but the crucifixion was worse. How, how can you prove that? Because David said, I was conceived in sin. 
in that baby in the womb, as innocent as it is, is they were conceived with by sinful parents. Can I get, can I get a witness? Jesus was virgin born, conceived of the Holy Spirit. No fault, no sin, no flaws, no failures. I told him last Sunday when I, when I was just had got saved and I was driving down the road and I had the radio on and I heard some backslidden preacher on the radio and I know he's backslidden, he never said it, talking about Jesus being a sinner. Talking about Jesus cussing and lying and sleeping with women and said he was just like the rest of it. And I said, you're a liar right out of hell. And I wanted to run, reach through the radio and grab him by the neck. I wasn't sanctified too good. Then. And I wanted to choke him till his eyes fell out on his cheeks because he was, he was castigating the Savior, can you say amen? But I know you saw the Holy One crucified. Verse 6, he's not here. Why? For he is risen, as he said. Come, let me show you the place where he did lay. Hallelujah. And, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And he goes before you into Galilee and you will see him. And I have told you in Mark 16 and 6, Jesus, he said, the angel said to them, be not affrighted or afraid. You're looking for Jesus, which was crucified. He said again, he's not here. He's risen. Look at the empty grave. Amen. I went to, to, to Jerusalem in 1995. Amen. And I walked into the garden tomb and on the wall in three different languages, it says, he's not here, he's risen. I shouted, hallelujah. But I, I knew it before I got there that he was alive. He'd already proven it to me. Glory to God. I've argued and debated with Muslims and told them Jesus was the only begotten son of God. And they said, you can't prove it. I said, I can. Because he rose from the dead victorious, went back to heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit. Muhammad, amen, his dusty bones are still in that tomb at Mecca. Somebody hear me. Jesus is alive. Thank God that was what I needed to see. I don't want to preach all day, but the dust in my throat won't let me. I want to tell you that the power of the gospel is the sign of the resurrection. Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is a lie. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're still sinners. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your mamas and daddies that died trusting him are in hell today. But he did rise, can you say amen? That's the sign. 1 Corinthians 15 and 12, Paul said, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you there is no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, verse 13 of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ has not risen, listen, our preaching's in vain. I've been wasting my time for 42 years. Your faith is in vain. No matter how long you've been serving him, it means nothing if he didn't rise from the dead. It's just another religion. Yea, we are found false witnesses. We're all liars because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he didn't raise up if, if so be that the dead rise not. And, uh, and he said, for if the, if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, he goes on, your faith is in vain. You're still in your sins. And they also which are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They're in hell today. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead 
and become the first fruits of them that slept. And I tell you, when he ascended to heaven, amen, he offered his blood upon the mercy seat and then he went into the depths of the earth and he led captivity captive. And when he came out of that grave, when he went to heaven, amen, to offer that blood, the scripture said that they came up out of the graves and they went to heaven with him. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. And I want to tell you, because he lives, everybody that's ever died with faith in Jesus, how you hear this preacher, we don't teach and preach soul sleep. We preach to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. They're with Jesus, hallelujah. And they're rejoicing in the presence of God. I went to Virginia to a conference, and it was a big conference, and there was, I don't know, good gracious, in the evening meetings, there was probably 1,500 there, and the morning meetings, probably five or 600. And so they had this guy to get up and speak, one of the morning speakers. And he, he started, everybody had been great. How many's glad for discernment? Everybody had just preached great. And Lisa, we were sitting there that day, and this guy got up and started preaching. And he started falling apart. I mean, he got aggravated. He had one of those microphones, you know, where it come. He, got, he finally he jerked it off, and he was just acting. And uh, he, was, he was trying to preach. And, and I looked over at my sister, and I said, there is something wrong with this guy. She said, what? I said, I'm telling you in my spirit, I'm not talking about his mannerisms. There is something wrong with this cat right here. I said, this guy right here, is, he's off base. Oh, you shouldn't say that. I said, say what you want to. I know my Holy Ghost. This guy ain't right. He started preaching, and before you know it, he had us all dead and laying in a grave and never getting up till, till the last trumpet sounds. And he, he, pre- he started preaching. Everybody that died was still in the grave. And he said he went to a funeral a few days ago and said they started talking about this, guy, this woman, how, what a great woman she was and how she loved flowers. And, and the Lord probably had her tending a little garden up there in heaven somewhere, you know, just because she loved them so good, which was probably not scripturally true, but it was a nice thought. She was alive. That was the whole point. And he said... That's not Bible. She's still in the grave. But I'm sitting there trying, I want to blow up on this guy. I want to get up and say, hold it. But I'm not in charge. If he'd been here, I'd have said, hold it. (laughs) You're wrong. And so finally when he got done, Tommy Bates was sitting right beside me. And Tommy Bates looked over at me and said, Brother Moody? (laughs) I said, yeah. He said, that's not right. I said, I know you're thinking about Revelation where it said all them souls that are there saying, how long, oh Lord? They're not dead. They're talking. And Tommy said, I can't stand much more of this. I said, I've had enough already. I've had all the fun I can stand. And so when finally when he got done, he preached a little while, and he said, I, I'm going to open the floor up for questions. And said, has anybody got a question? Before I could get up, Tommy's younger than me. He was on his feet. He said, I do. He said, now, buddy, I just want to tell you, brother. He said, I haven't lived for God just to die and lay in a grave. He said, but I believe that, that, when, that when we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Tommy just started quoting scripture. He said, well, now, brother, I know, but we, we believe that, but that's not. Tommy said, well, give me some scripture. And he had none. And I want to tell you, when you take the resurrection, amen, of the dead out of the equation, uh, we lose hope, can you say amen? We lose encouragement. 
Because Paul the Apostle said, amen, in, verse, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, For I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. In other words, that you don't be in despair, even as others which have no hope. Amen. Sister Joyce, when Brother Gene passed away, we didn't, we didn't despair. We grieved. Grief is a natural process. Sister Donna, when Brother Danny passed away, we weren't without hope. We weren't in despair. We went through the grief process. And I know you ladies probably still are but the truth is he said for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them which sleep in Jesus God's going to bring them with him when the Lord comes he said for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the trump of God the voice of the archangel the dead in Christ will bodily rise first and then we'll rise to meet them in the air when he comes that soul that spirit that's already with God it's going to be reunited with that earthly body it's going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye and those of us who are not dead will be changed and we'll be caught up and Donna we won't have to wait till we get to heaven to see Danny and Joyce we won't have to wait till we get to heaven to see Brother Gene we'll meet him on a cloud up here somewhere Whoa, come on somebody on the way up I'm here to tell you the resurrection gives me a motive to live for God give him a hand of praise if you will hallelujah as Nick comes, let me, let me finish. The gospel of Jesus, Christianity. How many is glad you're a Christian? Hallelujah. Look around and give somebody a virtual high five, an air five. And say, I got it, hallelujah. Amen. I got it. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going because of my good works. Hear me. I'm not going because I'm perfect. Because I'm not. I was at the racetrack last night. <laughs> I've got some preaching friends. If they hear this on, or see this on the internet or hear it on the radio, they'll never speak to me again. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. That's the, that's the crowd that I, that's the way it was back when I got saved. Sister Rita, when I got saved, if you did anything wrong, you was done. And, and, and I'm not saying going to the races is wrong. God forgive me. Now I'm going to make all my race buddies mad at me. I'm saying if you did anything they didn't like, you were done. I'll just put it that way. But the truth is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Blood paid for my sins. The blood of Jesus. Amen. Living, he loved us. Dying, he saved us. Buried, he carried our sins all the way. That was song said, but rising, he justified us. Freed us forever. I'm just glad you're saved now. I, I dare you look at somebody and say, I'm going to make it. Because Jesus is still alive. Come on, somebody. I've never told y'all this or not. Nick, when I was in the Army, I got drafted during that Vietnam War, and I was in basic training in 1972. And it was July, August, hot, Fort Knox, Kentucky, down on them hills. Out there doing all that training and marching. And one day they said, they was teaching us about guard duty. And they said, we're going to take you out to guard this place, and you got your special orders and your general orders. 
In other words, some orders were, nothing changed. Other orders were contingent on who was giving them. And they take me out to this building and they drop me off and there ain't nobody around. And I'm to guard this building. I'm, I'm, I'm walking around this thing with my M16. You know, and, I'm, and after about 30, 40 minutes of that, I look around. I'm out in the middle of nowhere in the woods with a building. I thought, hey, dummy, there ain't nobody watching you. So I just kind of relaxed a little bit. I knew that before long, the XO, the lieutenant of, the, of our company, would come by and ask me about my orders. But I could see them coming. So I'm looking, and been a lot of guys there before me, thousands of them. And they had all decided to ride on the building. And they wrote things, you know, who they were. Most guys in the Army would write their ETS date. That means the day you get out. <laughs> They'd write that down. We were, most of us were draftees back then. And they were writing different things, little funny things. And I'm walking around the building, and I'm reading it. And all of a sudden, I see it. Somebody wrote in pretty big letters. And it said, God is dead. And they signed it, Private Smith. And right below it, they wrote, Private Smith is dead. And they signed it, God. It makes you chuckle, but when there's a war going on in Vietnam, and it's in your mind, I might be going, and you get something like that, it kind of shocked me. And I wasn't saved. I was living like hell on my way to hell stand there that day I, I went to church with my dad in Indianapolis I knew about the Lord and I thought oh what's going to happen if it's one day Owen is dead and it's like God you might say that's well it touched me there wasn't a thing I could do about it because I didn't know Jesus and so I just kind of shrugged it off and I went on about my way doing my thing got to the next bar as quick as I could and but the Bible said in Titus 2.11 Paul wrote these words it said for the grace of God that brings salvation say that with me the grace of God, grace of God. that brings salvation can we say it one more time out loud the grace of God That's we're saved by grace undeserved merit and favor the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men you know when I when I read this I thought the resurrection of Jesus his life his death burial but especially the resurrection is the most documented and well proven fact of history the Jews his accusers recorded it of course, they put an evil slant on it. They said, they came in the night and stole his body away. They knew that wasn't true. Roman soldiers standing there guarding the thing with a seal on the door. The Romans, the Jews accused him. The Romans that executed him recorded it. It's written in the annals of Roman history that those soldiers couldn't contain him and they put them to death because of it. But then those his disciples those who were the recipients of it. They recorded it, and we have it written before us. And Jesus came and appeared, Paul said, over 500 at one time alive. The Bible said he walked around for 40 days after he rose from the dead and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Literally thousands, thousands saw him. Tens of thousands. 
But 500 saw him at one time. And then Paul said, then like one born out of due season, I saw him on the road to Damascus. And, and I can chime in and say in a little church in 1978 in Richmond, Kentucky, at an altar of prayer, I met Jesus. He's still alive. Isn't that great? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. The resurrection is a challenge to the church to step up to the plate and give it your best shot living for God. Living righteously, can you say amen? Godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people who are zealous of good works. We want to live for God. You know why I want to live for God? Not because I'm afraid of failing Him. Not because people are watching me. How many of y'all remember Margaret Howard that used to run the Miracle Book Room? A few of you. When I first started preaching and pastoring, I went down to the Miracle Book Room one day. I love Sister Margaret. She could, she could bring you down a notch or two. Or she could lift you up a notch or two. And I walked in there one day and I was buying some things and she'd always recommend something. And suddenly I saw some stickers, some bumper stickers that said clergy, pastor. And I, I picked up one of those that said pastor and I was able to put it on my car. And uh, I was just starting out, you know. She looked at me and said, now, Brother Owen, I said, yes, Sister Mark. She said, you sure you want to put that on your car? I said, well, I thought so. I knew there was more to the story. She said, when you put that on that car, everybody's watching you. She said, you can't get mad at the stoplight or when somebody cuts in front of you. She said, you'll have to behave yourself while you're driving that car because that sticker's on that car. I walked over and put it back on the shelf. I said, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> not that I was aiming to do anything wrong, but I just felt like I wasn't there yet. Listen, I live for God because He's alive. Now, maybe this message hadn't helped you, but it stirred me. Brian, I live for God because I can walk in a room and shut the door and say, Jesus, and he shows up. His presence comes. I live for God because so many times I've laid hands on people and said, in the name of Jesus, and he's, he showed up, and, and I've seen them healed, and I've seen them delivered, and I've seen them saved. I can't do that if he's not alive. The sign, the sign. The thing that keeps me going, Sister Jan, is he's alive. He's alive. How many's glad you know him today? And set our hearts on you, Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, 
please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.